It's Talking Twins and more with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and joining me as always from twinfo.com.au, Naomi Dolan. Hello, how are you going? I am fantastic. I am in the sunshine state and it is sunshining. You know what? I just have to say it's it's sunshining where I am today, but you know what? We're having one of those, you know, one of those days where if I say boo to either of my twins, it's a meltdown and a drama. So <laughs> the sun is shining, but not inside my house. Oh, you poor thing. I remember that age. You just look at them the wrong way and, well, you know what, mine are nine and I looked the wrong way at one of them this morning and we had a meltdown. So, I feel your pain. It doesn't really Not that that gives you much hope. I was going to say, thanks. No, sorry. Just go back and get some more wine. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, I didn't. As soon as I said it, I was like, ah. Oh, look, but isn't it the reality of twin parenting? And you can have the best laid plans. I knew today was going to be a glorious day, and I thought, you know what? Today's going to be a cracker. We're going to do some fantastic stuff. No, they had other plans, and they're just at that. And I dare say, and I'm sure you'll uh, fill me in on this one. I mean, for many, many more years of the fighting because they're just at each other. Oh, you see, now for us, that's only sort of started. I was very lucky. My two just didn't seem to fight as much. I mean, of course, they have their spats. When you're with someone 24-7, of course, you you know, you have your little arguments. Um, but it's now um, they're starting to really get, I think I've got tweens. They're starting to get a bit oh. moody and they're taking it out on each other. And, oh, sometimes they just... The things, the way they speak to each other, I go, oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Uh, You're in for a long ride. Uh, Look, very excited. We've got a special guest joining us this week on the show. We do indeed. We have Claire joining us. So Claire is the mum of some micro-prem twins. So we've spoken a lot recently about um, some families that have gone to, you know, really extremely long gestations. Uh, So now we're just going to have a look at it from the other side. Uh, so anyway, I won't introduce Claire any further. I'll let her um, tell her story. But um, yeah, we're looking forward to talking to Claire next. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. And joining us on the line is Claire. Hello, Claire. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, ladies. No, thanks for having me. Now, you are all the way over in uh, sunny Western Australia. Sure am, and it is going to be a beautiful day today. Claire, you're joining us this week because we're going to talk, as Naomi said just before, we've spoken recently to quite a few um, mums of twins who have gone virtually almost to full term, but it was a little bit of a different story for you. Is that right? Yeah, quite the opposite end of the scale for us, unfortunately. we um, Our little guys made their entrance at 24 weeks in one day. My wow. goodness. Wow. How scary. It definitely was an experience, one I don't want to ever have to do again, but one I think that um, I'm lucky to have gone through in a certain way. Well, Claire, before we get there, let's go back to the start, if you don't mind sharing um, yep. your journey into pregnancy and then you know that, that wonderful moment that we all go through, or terrifying, depending on which side of the spectrum you are, um, where you, you, know, you found out you're having twins. Tell us a little bit about your background. <clears throat> well, um, my partner and I were actually on holiday at the time when I realised something was not quite right. So we're in um, Kuala Lumpur and I didn't feel like a drink, which was very strange for me on a holiday. And so I snuck to the chemist and took a pregnancy test and learned that that was a, a big positive, 
which was pretty exciting. Um, and we sort of just relaxed for the rest of our holiday and um, came back to Perth. Went to the doctor, obviously, and said, oh, look, I peed on a stick and it's positive and la da 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 We did some bloods and the next day the doctor rings me going, um, yeah, your hormones are through the roof. I think you've got more than one baby. Ooh. So I laughed because um, growing up, my mother would always tell me that it was going to be my turn to have twins because she was a twin. Uh. So it made perfect sense to me that, of course, just my luck, I'd be having more than one baby. So it wow. wasn't, wasn't the big shock. It was mm. more of a comical, damn it, mum was right. <laughs> yeah, don't you hate that? <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think it's really interesting as well that you got that call because we speak to a lot of people and most people are like, oh, I was in pain, went for the scan and that's how we found out. But um, your doctor had that instinct off the bloods, which as we know, those hormone levels are always much higher. So um, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah, no, it was um, – yeah, it was. He was very adamant. He was either I'd got my dates extremely wrong, and I was very, very pregnant, or I was carrying more, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, no, nah, that's it." At least wow! And what was your me. initial? Yeah, what was your initial reaction when you did see them on the screen? Ah, oh, I guess I was excited. I was really excited. You know, kids were never on my radar. To be perfectly honest, I never. They weren't my cup of tea. I didn't even know how to hold a baby, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Something clicks in you at a certain age, I think, and you sort of get a bit softer to the idea. And then finding out I had two was just, yeah, it was great. And that first time I got to see them on screen, which they were only tiny little grains of rice. Um, I think I was six and a half weeks at that first scan or seven weeks. And, yeah, it was it was something else. It was really amazing. Oh, that's wonderful. And then talk us through your pregnancy. Like, did you um, did you have a troublesome pregnancy? Um, you know, were you expected to deliver? Well, well, obviously not as early as you did. But I guess I had a very low-risk pregnancy, so I was not very closely monitored in those first 20 weeks or so, just due to the fact that, you know, they weren't sharing a sack or anything silly like that. I wasn't really nauseous. I was still at work. I was sort of pretty good. Um, and I went in for the 20-week gender ultrasound or anatomy ultrasound. And my partner met me, I was I was still at work, actually, and he met me just around the corner from home for our scan. And we went in, and the ultrasonographer was fabulous. She put the probe on my abdomen, and straight away she was like, okay, I need to get somebody else to have a look at this. And I was like, what? That's a bit weird. And so she went and got um, the, one of the doctors that was on site, and they had a look and said, you know, they were concerned that I, they couldn't really see my cervix. So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which was, I was like, oh, what's the cervix? What does that do? Mm. And, yeah, she sort of just went very quiet and very calm and they did an internal and she just she took it straight out and said, we need to get you to King Edie's, which is uh, an amazing hospital in Perth, and you need to go now. We're going to call you an ambulance. And wow. What, yeah. what was going through your head at that moment? I mean, because you obviously didn't, probably didn't have, I mean, I wouldn't have had a thorough understanding of what they were trying to say um, in terms no. of risk factors and stuff. So what were you trying to process and comprehend in that moment? I guess I was a little bit in shock. I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, I, You know, I, as I said, like I was at work. I was fine. Mm. I had a cruisy pregnancy as far as um, pregnancies go. Um, and, yeah, I just didn't really understand. I mean, I insisted on Zach driving me to hospital because I, was, I don't need an ambulance. I'm fine. This is stupid. So he did end up driving me. We went together. But, yeah, I don't know. It was just utter disbelief, I think, at that moment that 
you know, we'd been cruising through, like, why would something suddenly be going wrong? So did you go home from hospital or you then had to stay in hospital until they were born? No, so I was admitted um, late in the afternoon and spent four days there, basically, um, with ultrasounds twice a day. They discovered I only had four millimetres of cervix on the first day and that it was... they. The twin one's membranes were sort of bulging into it, so it was yeah. like a funnel shape. And so they couldn't do a emergency stitch or anything like that. It was just too risky. Um, so knowing that there wasn't really much hope other than taking some medications and hoping for the best. Um, yeah, so I stayed four nights in hospital and then was discharged because I hadn't shown any signs of going into labour. And mentally, I wasn't coping in hospital yeah. at all. It wasn't. Well, such a nice. shock, I, such a huge change yeah. for you. Uh, just before we, just going back for people who might not understand the situation of the cervix, can you explain a little bit more about that and how that impacted on the growth and everything for the babies? Yeah, well, I guess the cervix is what you know it keeps the babies inside. Mm. Um, it sort of works as a little bit of a trampoline, and uh, it's long. It, they measure it lengthwise, so basically from you, from inside your uterus out towards your uh, vaginal opening, and it would normally be, I think the average at that time was about 27 mils mm. for twins, but don't quote me on that one, um, and mine was down to four mils. It was only a tiny amount holding those yeah. those kids and everything in. I think in, usually anything under 1.5, that's when they sometimes talk about a stitch. Yeah, exactly, so 1.5 centimetres, and yeah, so it's, it's quite Im- more so important in singleton pregnancies, I learned. So the um, obstetricians, you know, obviously it is a massive thing for twins as well, but it's not, they tend to be not as worried. They tend to be able to keep the twins in a little bit longer than they do with singles with the cervix, I think, from what I gather. Mm. You've got a really um, um, good description on you. I'm just looking at your Instagram account at the moment. You've got a really good picture that explains it really well. So if anybody wants to find out more information, just head over to your Instagram. We'll get to the details a bit later. But, yeah, I think that's a really good graphic of how it explains it. Oh, uh, yeah, that picture. It does do uh, – yeah, that really helped me, that graphic, learn what it was. Mm, mm. So you managed to we go might be home. able to share that on our page as well, maybe, yeah. um, as well. But we'll definitely um, – we'll – let our listeners know how they can find that because it sounds interesting. Oh. So you, that you went home after those four days and did you say they, they had medication for you to help you or, or what yeah, was the situation? So I was discharged and I was given progesterone, which is a hormone, and I had to use that daily in the back door um, because there was too much of a risk putting it into vaginally in case I, you know, introduced infection mm. or anything because that's another risk um, factor when it comes to having no cervix. So that was really pleasant. Was my once a once a day outing out of the bedroom, I got to go to the toilet and, and medicate myself, so that was great. I have to I had a bit of a chuckle because um, my cervix got down to fifteen and um, I this was at twenty one weeks for me. And um, I was the same I had pretty much the same journey where in terms of um, you know, getting the pessaries and having yep. to do those daily. And um, it was actually a friend of mine who had had her triplets um, at at 24 weeks and she said to it, make sure you use the back door. And the doctors <laughs> didn't tell me that at all. It was her and it was. she said it's just so much cleaner and it's, yeah. you know, less chance of infection. And I thought, oh, 
Brilliant. Um, great. What a great tip, you know. It's something that no one else would talk. It's not something you go around talking about. So, yeah, if anyone who needs to go on progesterone pessaries, let me just tell you, uh, from two out of us here, the back door is the best option. <laughs> I kind of feel a little bit that I don't feel like I've got FOMO for that, just letting you guys know. I think I'm okay that I didn't have to go through that. Um, <laughs> Uh, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> but a good tip, so there you go. <laughs> so obviously then you were back home and, and how were you coping? Were you on bed rest when you went home? Were you pretty much having yeah, kids? Was, so you had I to stop on, work suddenly and then that was it. Yeah, I had to stop work, had to call my boss and say, I'm not coming back. Um, but that was, that was fine. They were really supportive. But, um, yeah, I was at home on bed rest um, and it was hard. It was long. Mm. Um I really struggled with it. I think mentally during the pregnancy, anyhow, I had really struggled. Um, it was going to be a massive lifestyle change for me and one that I wasn't really prepared for. And then being told um, that the chances of us getting to viability was pretty slim, um, which I probably didn't touch on earlier. But, yeah, we were. I what, remember. Yeah. What is viability here in Australia? Uh, it depends on the hospital in which you're in. So um, at my hospital at King Eddie's, they were really amazing. They do some of the tiniest, tiniest babies. So, you know, 23 weeks. I was in yeah. with babies at 23 weeks, and they are just incredible. So my goal was to get to 24 weeks, was what we sort of considered viability. So no matter what happens, they'll, they'll give them a go at 24 weeks. If they come out not breathing, they'll resuscitate and yep. do that. Um, but yeah, when I was in the hospital still, uh, one of the nurses, I remember sitting down with her one evening, she was lovely, and I said to her, I was pretty upset, and I said to her, what, what are my chances? And she held my hand, and she looked at me, and she said, there's, there's not much chance. And um, that was when it really, when it was the first person to really be honest with me about how serious the situation was. Wow. How did you? So I, how do you even begin to cope when somebody says something like that? Because you know that. I mean, if, as you said, you know, going through a twin pregnancy, a pregnancy to start with, twin pregnancy can be so mentally, um, as you said, you know, it changes your whole life. Very difficult, and then to for somebody to say that to you. Yeah, I, it was like the rug had been really ripped out from under me. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, it crossed my mind. Do I just give up and start again? Um, or, or what do I do? But um, we decided that the best port of call would be to go home, um, sit it out, take cross off day by day, which is what I did. I had a calendar in my room which I crossed off every single day, and yeah, we um, we got there, thankfully against the odds. Just incredible! Wow. Just and then, um, like, how was your partner coping with all of this? He. He was amazing. He was so supportive. Um, his understanding of medical terms is a bit more limited compared to mine. I'm, I'm a vet nurse by trade, so you know I'm used mm. to a few term, terminologies. But yeah, he was amazing. He um, just took the reins and really looked after me and the dog. And you know he had to go to work and everything. And yeah, he just he was my rock. Yeah. They must, I just think that um, I know that my partner, when I was going through this at 21 weeks, um, he he just felt so hope, helpless. Exactly. And that was like, the exact was the same. Yeah. He just, like, Dave just couldn't, like, there was nothing he could really do except for look after me, which he did an amazing job of. But mm. he, yeah, he, I think he was quite disconnected from the process. 
and I think that's probably a fair comment. Like, because they, yeah, it's it is different for experience for them. They sort of they do feel like they're waiting. That you know they're watching from the sidelines um, in some respects, which which is not the case. They're involved, but it's 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 a diff, different for them. Yeah, and and I mean at that age, you know, they can't really feel much movement, and you know, it's they're not like big kicks or anything like that. No. So they can't even feel. Like that, that we as as the person carrying the babies can feel, they can't quite feel it very much at that age, and it's just yeah. I just I, my my partner felt I think very disconnected at that stage. He just really was unsure, and he's a fixer. Most blokes are, you know, that's how they deal with problems, and he couldn't fix this problem. Nope. Yeah, no, that's that's it's it's tough on everybody, but sometimes I really yeah I, I feel that the partners really. Sometimes, in one respect, it would be a bit tougher because there's nothing they can do. And they, probably, yeah, and and they it, probably don't have that connection, as you said, with the kicking and stuff. They haven't, you know, most partners haven't made that connection with the babies yet, until except for a few scans here and there. Um, yeah, correct. It's just a mm. really challenging point. But for you going through Claire day by day, um, ticking those days off, it just must have taken mm-hmm. enormous strength. Oh, I don't. I mean, looking back, yes, at the time, I didn't have a choice. I just, you know, yeah. it was. That or give up, and I wasn't. I wasn't ready to give up. Um, so yeah, I just had to keep focusing on it. And how did you pass all your time? Oh, a lot of Netflix. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you're the person to ask for some recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just TV and lots of sleeping, and yeah, it was way too much social media. Probably way too many Doctor Googles. Um, but yeah, lots of Netflix. Oh, it's so hard to stay away from Google though when you can't do anything else. Oh, I know. Exactly. I, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. You Google everything because you've got nothing else to do. So yeah. you just mm-hmm. become, you know, a Google expert on exactly. on everything. Yeah. Did you did you find yourself like? We've talked about it when you're on sort of bed rest or whichever situation you're in. You find yourself sort of Googling all sorts of information about, you know, similar people who have been through the same situation as you or twin stories. Did you find yourself doing that or did you try and steer away from that to keep yourself a little bit more positive and grounded? No, I definitely looked up a lot of stories and I definitely, you know, started following a lot more people on Instagram and reading more about it. Um, but, yeah, I did try to be as educated as I could, um, especially about, you know, the NICU and the special care units because I'm a, I am like to know what's happening. Mm. And so doing a lot of research on the hospital and on King Edie's was um, fabulous through looking at like, the pictures and what a premature baby looks like and, yeah. So... And what about um, your nursery and everything? Had you, at this stage, bought a lot? Did this sort of stop you from continuing your purchases? Um, Because obviously internet shopping was something that I passed my time with. Um, (laughs) But, you know, at at the gestation that you were at and being told that there was a possibility that you weren't going to have any babies to take home, um, how did that, you know, I guess affect that side of it? It definitely put a stop to it. So I had, I'm a very organised person. So, I mean, I bought the pram at 11 weeks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I definitely stopped. As soon as I found out there was complications, I stopped. I shut the door on the nursery and I just yeah. pretended it wasn't there for now. Um, it was just a bit easier. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, I didn't really do too much online shopping at that point. 
Yeah, no, I can understand that. And then moving forward, so what was the moment that you – so you went home at the 20 weeks and then 24, oh. was it when you delivered? Oh, so, yeah, I just was up and down all night one evening and just to the toilet and which is obviously normal when you're pregnant, especially with twins. And I was about four or five in the morning and I woke Zach and I said, oh, something doesn't feel right. I'm getting cramps. Like it just, it's a bit odd. Can you ring the hospital for me? So he rings the hospital and they told me to come in. So we, off we go, drive to the hospital and I didn't take anything with me. So I was like, oh, it'll be fine, you know, I'll be home by lunchtime and Zach can go to work and la da 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 And they said I was having contractions and that the babies were coming. And at that point I was, just 24 weeks. Mm, how scary. Yeah, I mean, I just remember sitting there in my, luckily enough by that stage, it was, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning when the doctors came into their rounds and it was my obstetrician. Oh, and fantastic. So that was amazing to see him walk in and he had a look at the scans that they'd done that morning and he was like, yep, babies are coming. Gave me some morphine to try to slow things down. So that was fabulous. I didn't really feel too much, but my contractions at that point were only a few minutes apart. Um, so, yeah, they rushed around trying to get everything organised for me. Um, pretty quickly got me up to the labour and um, birthing suite where, yeah, I was met with a whole different team of doctors and, and people. And oh, I can only imagine how many people were in the room for microprims. If I had, you know, it was like a circus with mine yeah, and mine were born yeah. at 34 weeks. So it 10 was, weeks prior to me, I can only imagine. It was insane. It's one thing I wish, and it, mine and Zach's biggest regret is we did not take a photo of how many people were in that room. It, it would have been just, really overwhelming. It was really overwhelming because at that point, you know, I'd been on magnesium sulfate for the day too, which um, helped reduce the uh, potential for brain bleeds in preemie babies. Mm. And I was high as a kite. I was... <laughs> So, so do you actually remember much of it? Serious question. Uh, yeah, I do, I do. I just remember being really, it was like a, it make, some people get really sick and horrible on the magnesium. I, I'm not going to say I enjoyed it because it makes you really hot and horrible, but it was, yeah, I was, I was high. And um, yeah, I guess I didn't have a, during that time, I didn't probably comprehend exactly what was going on. Like um, I remember looking over at like Zach and just saying to him that I couldn't do it anymore. And because we had to, it was nearly midnight, I think it was quarter to midnight, and I was like, I need to push now. And they were like, no, 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 you can't push now. Like, the, the team's not up here. So they had to get the neonatal team up to the ward pretty urgently, and they walked in just after midnight. So the twins nearly had second birthday. Yeah, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and they walked in, and they just it was like a clown car. It was like, how many people are coming in here? So I think at one point, that counted about 28 people. Wow, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's twenty-eight people staring straight up here. So it was, yeah, it was an experience for sure. But um, yeah, I little Archie came first um, at about quarter past midnight. So I think the team had just walked in and managed to um, give birth to him. I did it both them both naturally, thankfully, because they were both heads down. Um, well, that's one good thing. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't something I was prepared to do at all. I was like, oh, I'll have yeah, a cesarean, it'll that. be fine. Did you, yeah, did you, were you, had they swayed you either way or, or made a suggestion or kind of told you or were you just sort of blinded by it and just went in and, okay, here they're coming vaginally? Yeah, to be honest, we never spoke about 
about it um, until that day. Like it was never the doctor was good. He just used to cross days, you know, aim for week by week checkups and all that right. sort of jazz as well. So we didn't sort of set. We didn't think that far ahead. So at the time when he's looking at my scans and going, yep, the head's down, um, you're going to push them out. And I was like, no, 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 we, we can do a cesarean. He's like, oh, no, the head's down, you can push them. And I was like, okay. I just, it was in my head, twins come by cesarean. Like that's just been drummed mm-hmm. into me. And I was like, so that's what I expected. But it's not always the case. Sometimes we can be lucky and get to everything the way. Oh, that's fantastic. So they were born at 24 plus one. Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. And so how? So Archie came first. How much did Archie weigh? Archie was 870 grams. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And what Which about Frankie? Frankie was 830? Yeah, 830 grams, and she arrived 16 minutes later. My goodness. goodness what, what was that moment like? Because I know delivering mine and, and ours went straight into Nikki. We got to see them very briefly and then went straight into Nikki. But for you, what was that moment like as soon as they came out? Was was there any interaction? Was it straight just teams kind of swamping you um, yeah. to, to get they, their um, attention and, and just get them to where they needed to be in the NICU? Yeah, so uh, from what I recall, um, Archie got whisked away pretty quickly um, to the corner of the room where they resuscitated him and um, – intubated him and got him on oxygen and cleaned him up a little bit and made sure that he was, you know, okay. Um, and then once he was stable enough to transfer down to NICU, which was maybe 10 minutes, um, they just wheeled him over. I was able to have a brief look at him and away he went. Um, and Zach, I think, was encouraged to go with him from memory. So, yeah, he went down to NICU straight away with little Archie. And then I delivered Frankie, and it was the same same. I didn't get, didn't really get to look at her. I didn't get to look at either of them really, which is mm-hmm. an odd experience when you have kids. It like is, I mean, yeah. I didn't realize how important it was to you know have that little bit of time with them, but it it is, and it was n- numbing. I think to not have that mm. didn't feel real. I think a lot of people can relate to exactly what you're saying, and I know Naomi and I have spoken it about it obviously you know much further in weeks down the track but no matter what happens if your babies end up in NICU it's something that you're not prepared for you you instinctively just think you're gonna have your baby touch them hold them yep. see them um and, and that's ripped away from from many multiple parents it is and it's hard I mean I mean we were fortunate enough that we knew that the NICU was going to be part of our journey so we were we were mm. mentally prepared in a way but you know others that have you know spontaneous labours at that time. It just must absolutely be just terrifying. Had you done a tour of the nurseries? No, I hadn't. Um, the One of the neonatologists came up and spoke to me the morning that I had, the morning I was admitted when I went into labour, um, and it was the first time I'd had any communication with the NICU team personally. I had, yeah, I had, um, when I was admitted later on, um, they came up and they spoke to me, um, but they took me down in a wheelchair for a tour. Oh, uh, yeah. And for me, I'm so glad that that happened because mm. it took a lot of the, I guess, the, the over. I mean, it was overwhelming, but it wasn't the first time I had seen it. Yeah. So they actually showed me other babies of a similar gestation um, and things like that. I mean, obviously, I, I didn't go near them, but I could see that they were in a humidity yeah. crib. I could see. Um, 
you know, that they were attached to wires and I wasn't close to them or anything, but I could kind of see what to expect. And for me, that was, um, it meant that that, that little bit of fear and overwhelm was gone. Oh yeah. That would make it made a big difference. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned yeah, that because sure. I had the opposite because I had to transfer um, hospitals because they wouldn't deliver me at the private. They had to transfer me over to the John Hunter. We're in Newcastle. And um, I, I did same thing. I didn't see the babies. They went to NICU and I delivered about 8 o'clock at night and I woke up about 2 o'clock in the morning sitting on a ward, like a public ward with no babies when everybody else had their babies. And I just remember being in floods of tears and saying to the nurse, like, where are my kids? And up at the NICU. But I didn't know where the NICU was. I had no comprehension in my mind where it was. Like, they, they could have had my babies anywhere. They could have been another town away. I had no idea. And it was very scary. Yeah, that's awful. I think that, I mean... Claire, you've just been so amazing and so open with us. Um, we'd actually love to um, have you back and we can talk about your NICU journey if you'd be willing to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love to do that with you, lady. Because yeah. I think that um, the awareness that you bring to the table in terms of um, other people that might be facing this is just so helpful. It, just to hear someone else talk about it um, sometimes just makes you feel not quite as alone. Yeah, 100%, and that's what helped me through my journey was, yeah, you know, reading other people's stories, and I I get messages all the time through my Instagram from um, people from overseas and even local in Australia, and, yeah, I love talking to them and helping them where I can. We'd absolutely love to get you back, so uh, we might do it at another episode on the post-birth story. And um, so, Claire, thank you so much for joining us. And just quickly, I know you do have an Instagram. Can you just tell us all the details if people want to follow along? Yeah, so we're just uh, at Big Little Twins. Um, the name came about because obviously they were little when they were born, but they're just for their gestational age, they were actually quite big. Uh, they were the size of about 27 weekers, so hence big little twins. Excellent. So that's big underscore little underscore twins? Yes, it is. Fantastic. And we'll pop that up on our page as well so people can follow along. Too easy. Thank you, ladies. Claire, we'll catch Fantastic. up with you in a couple of weeks or next week and uh, we'll find out how those big little twins are going. <laughs> oh, I would love to chat to you about them. <laughs> Thanks so much, Claire. All right. Bye. Take care. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com.